are listening to a reading of the mystical City of God by Father Edward Looney. Welcome to Day 2 of our reading of the mystical City of God. This is Volume 1, The Conception, and today we are reading paragraphs number 8 to 14. Consulting about my doubts with the holy princes and angels, whom the Most High had appointed to direct this work of writing the history of our Queen, and manifesting to them how great was my disturbance and affliction of heart, and how stuttering and mute was my tongue, for such an arduous task. They replied over and over again that it was the will of the Most High that I write the life of His most pure mother and our mistress. On one day, especially, when I made many objections and declared to them my difficulties and my incapability and great fears, they spoke to me these words. With good reason thou fearest and art disturbed, O soul, doubtest and hesitant in a matter where we angels ourselves would do the same, as considering ourselves unable worthily to describe the high and magnificent doings of the omnipotent in the mother of piety and our own queen. But remember, dearest soul, that the firmament, the whole machinery of the world, and all things created will sooner fail than the words of the Most High. Many times he has promised to his creatures, and in the Holy Scriptures it is recorded that the obedient man shall speak of victories over his enemies, and shall not be reprehensible in obeying. Proverbs 21, verse 28. And when he created the first man and gave him the command not to eat of the tree of knowledge, he established the virtue of obedience, and swearing he swore in order to give greater assurance to man. For the Lord has repeatedly given such an oath. For instance, when he promised to Abraham that the Messiah should descend from his race, he added thereto the assurance of an oath. The same he did when he created the first man, assuring him that the obedient shall not err. He also repeated this oath when he ordained that his most holy son should die. And he gave a like assurance to men that they, who should obey the second Adam, imitating him in the obedience by which he restored what the first lost through his disobedience, shall live forever, and that the enemy shall have no part in them. Remember, Mary, that all obedience takes its rise from God as from its first and principal source, and we angels obey the power of this divine right hand and his most just will. We cannot contravene or ignore it, because we see the immutable being of God face to face, and we perceive that his will is holy, pure, and true, most equitable and just. Now this certainty which we angels possess through the beatific vision, you mortals also possess in its proper proportion. As wayfarers, through the words of the Lord concerning your prelates and superiors, he who hears you, hears me, and who obeys you, obeys me. Now since obedience is rendered on account of God, who is the principal cause, and who is the superior of all, it is befitting to his almighty providence that he take the consequences of obedience, whenever that which is commanded is not in itself sinful. Accordingly, the Lord assures us of these things by an oath and he will sooner cease to exist, though this is impossible, 
than that he will fail in his word. In the same way, as the children proceed from their parents, and all the living from Adam, multiplied from his natural being in his posterity, so also all superiors are constituted by God as by the Supreme Lord, on whose account we yield obedience to them, human beings to their living superiors, we angels to our higher hierarchies of the same nature, and all beings together and their superiors obey the eternal God. Remember now that all of these have directed and commanded thee to do that, about which thou still hesitates. If thou now shouldst begin to write by mistake, intending thereby to fulfill his commands in obedience, then the Most High would do with thy pen the same as he did with the knife of Abraham when he was about to sacrifice his son Isaac. For on that occasion the Lord commanded one of us angels to withhold the arm and the knife. He did not thus command us to withhold thy pen, but has ordered us with the lightest breath to speed it on, and while gazing on his majesty to direct and assist thee by illuminating thy intellect. Such encouragement and instruction my holy angels and lords gave me at this time. On many other occasions, the prince, St. Michael, informed me of the same wish and command of the Most High. By the continual enlightenments, favors, and instructions of this great prince, I have understood great sacraments and mysteries of the Lord and of the Queen of Heaven. For this angel was one of those who guarded and assisted her, and who were delegated from the angelic choirs, as I will relate in its place. Part 1, 201-206 He is, at the same time, the general patron and protector of the Holy Church. He was a special witness and faithful minister of the mysteries of the Incarnation and Redemption. This I have often heard of St. Michael himself, who showed me singular favors in my troubles and dangers, and has promised me his assistance and direction in this undertaking. In addition to all this, and other factors which need not here be mentioned, and in addition to what I shall say farther on, the Lord has directly, in his own person, commanded and manifested to me his will many times. And in words which I shall presently repeat, he said to me one day on the festival of the presentation of Most Holy Mary in the temple, My spouse, many mysteries pertaining to my mother and the saints have been made manifest in the church militant, but many are still hidden, especially the interior secrets of their lives. And these I wish now to make known, and I desire thee to put them down in writing, according as thou art directed by thy most pure Mary. I will reveal and explain them to thee, for until now I have, according to the hidden designs of my wisdom, kept them in reserve, because the time for revealing them was not befitting or opportune to my providence. Now, however, it is, and it is my will that thou write, Obey, soul. All these facts which I have mentioned, and many more which I could mention, would not have been urgent enough to rouse my will to an enterprise so arduous and so foreign to my condition, if to them had not been added the motive of obedience to my superiors, who are set to govern my soul and teach me the way of truth. For certainly my mistrusts and fears were not so unimportant as to permit me to come to a full decision 
without their commands in so great a matter, when in resolving upon others, also supernatural and vastly less difficult, I rely so much on the guidance of obedience. As an ignorant woman, I have always sought this north star, for which it is a duty incumbent on all to test all things, even though they seem to be most noble and excellent beyond suspicion, by the approbation of the teachers and ministers of the Holy Church. Such assurance I have been solicitous to procure for the direction of my soul, and more particularly in this undertaking of writing the life of the Queen of Heaven. I have frequently tried to prevent my superiors from being moved by any accounts of my interior experiences, disguising as much as I could many things, and in tears begging the Lord to enlighten them and to fill them with mistrust against me, to watch over them lest they be deceived or lest they permit me to be deceived or misdirected. Many times I have desired that the very thought of allowing me to engage in this enterprise would fade from their minds. I will also confess that the demon, availing himself of my natural dispositions and of my fears, has made great efforts to hinder this work by seeking to terrify and afflict me. He would no doubt have succeeded in keeping me from it if the zeal and persistence of my superiors had not counteracted my cowardice. In this persecution, the Lord, the Most Pure Virgin, and the Holy Angels often took occasion to renew their enlightenment, their tokens, and wonders. Nevertheless, in spite of all this, I deferred, or to speak more appropriately, I resisted this undertaking many years. I refused compliance, as I will describe further on, not having the boldness to attempt the execution of something so far above all my powers. And I believe that this was not without special providence of His Majesty. For in the course of those years, so many things have happened to me. And I may say, so many mysterious and various difficulties intervened that I would not have been able to preserve the tranquility and quiet of spirit which is necessary for retaining the proper light and information. For not in all states of mind, though they are of the highest and most advanced, can the soul engage in that exalted activity which is necessary to correspond to such exquisite and delicate influences. In addition to this, there was still another reason, namely, during this protracted delay, I could inform myself and assure myself of the truth of these things, not only by means of the new enlightenment which grew as time passed on, and by the prudence which experience gives, but also by the persevering insistence of the Lord, of the holy angels, and of my superiors, under whose obedience I lived. Likewise, an opportunity was given me to quiet my fears and misgivings, to overcome my cowardice and perplexity, and to trust that to the Lord, which I would not trust to my weakness. Confiding them in the great virtue of obedience, I resolved in the name of the Lord and of my queen and mistress to lay aside my reluctance. I call this virtue great, not only because by it the most noble activities and the faculties of a creature, namely the mind, the judgment, and free will, are offered as a holocaust to the Lord, but also because no other virtue ever assures success more unfailingly than obedience. For by it the creature then does not operate of itself alone, 
but also as an instrument of him that governs and commands. This was the assurance of Abraham when he overcame the force of the natural love of his son Isaac. And if it was sufficient for such an act, and sufficient to detain the sun and the heavens in their swift course, it can certainly be sufficient to influence the movement of the earth. Perchance, if the hand of Oza had been guided by obedience, he would perhaps not have been punished as presumptuous in touching the ark. Well do I know that I am more unworthy than Oza in stretching out my hand to touch, not the lifeless and figurative ark of the Old Covenant, but the living ark of the New Testament, which contained the man of the divinity, the source of grace, and the new law. But if I remain silent, I fear with good reason to disobey most high commands. And I could exclaim with Isaiah, Woe is me, because I kept my peace. Therefore, O my queen and lady, it is better that thy benignest goodness and mercy and the blessings of thy liberal hand should shine forth through the base and unworthy efforts. It is better that I should experience the blessings in obeying thy commands than that I should fall into thy displeasure. It will be a work of thy clemency, O purest mother, to raise the poor from the earth and to execute through a weak and unfit instrument a work so difficult, for thereby thou shalt magnify thy condescension and the graces which thy most holy Son communicates to thee. Moreover, thou thereby shalt exclude thy deceitful presumption, which might make us imagine that by human efforts, or by earthly prudence, or by the force and authority of deep discussion, this work is accomplished. Thou thereby showest that by divine virtue thou awakenest anew the hearts of the faithful, drawing them toward thee. Thou fountain of kindness and mercy, speak, therefore, O lady, that thy servants may hear with an ardent desire fully to obey thee. But how can my desires ever reach or equal my indebtedness? A befitting response on my part will be impossible. But if it were possible, I would desire to give it. O powerful and exalted queen, fulfill thy promises by manifesting to me thy graces and attributes, in order that thy greatness may be made known and heralded through the nations and generations. Speak, O lady, for thy servant heareth. Speak and magnify the Most High in the powerful and wonderful works which his right hand performed for thee, in thy most profound humility. Let them flow from the hollow of his hands, filled with hyacinths into thine and from thine to thy devout servants, in order that the angels may bless him, the just magnify him, and the sinners seek him. Let all of them see the example of thy highest sanctity and purity. By the grace of thy most holy Son, let me be favored with this mere and efficacious rule by which I can set my life in order. For this is to be the principal purpose and first object of my solicitude in writing thy life. This thou hast repeatedly intimated to me, condescending to offer me a living pattern and a mirror without flaw, in which I should see, and according to which I should adorn my soul, so as to become worthy, to be thy daughter, and the bride of thy most holy Son. This shall be my whole object and intention, 
And therefore I shall not write as a teacher, but as a disciple, not as one instructing, but as one trying to learn, knowing that it is the duty of women to be silent in the Holy Church and to listen to the teachers. But as an instrument of the Queen of Heaven, I will declare what she deigns to teach me and whatever she commands me. For all the souls are capable of receiving the Spirit which her Divine Son has promised to pour out over men of all conditions. The souls are also able to communicate it in a befitting manner. Whenever a higher authority, acting according to the dispensations of Christ's church, so disposes, I am now convinced that the church has authorized this history through my superiors, that I should err as possible, and to an ignorant woman natural, but then I err, while obeying, and not acting of my own free will. Thus I remit myself and subject myself to those who are my guides and to the correction of the Holy Church." to whose ministers I fly in all my difficulties. And I wish that my superior, teacher, and confessor be a witness and a censor of this doctrine, which I receive, and also a severe and vigilant judge of the manner in which I put into practice or fail in the fulfilling of obligations consequent upon this blessing. That was paragraphs number 8 through 14. The Mystical City of God, Volume 1, The Conception of Venerable Mary of Agreda. As we listen to this reading today, we heard a little lesson on obedience. And Maria of Agreda is speaking about obedience in terms of to the Lord, obedience to her superiors, obedience to the will of God. The word obedience actually comes from a Latin word, which means to listen. And so when we are obedient, we listen to those who are speaking to us. And for vowed religious, for ordained ministers, obedience is something that is pledged to one's superiors. Obedience is pleasing to Almighty God. And we see Maria of Agreda reflect so beautifully on that obedience. There was something else that she mentioned that I thought was something very beautiful for us to reflect upon. She said that I should fall into thy displeasure. She doesn't want to fall into the displeasure of the Blessed Mother. Of course, we should live our lives pleasing God. We should never want to stray from the paths of God. But now let's add that if we are children of the Blessed Mother, if she is our mother in the order of grace and we are her children, well then, do nothing in your life that would displease the Blessed Mother. Allow heaven, allow Almighty God, allow the Lord Jesus, allow the Blessed Virgin to inspire your conduct to be holy and to be blameless before Almighty God. We also heard in this reading a little reflection on the angels and the service of the angels, how they serve God night and day. She even gave us a little reflection on St. Michael, and I think that gives us occasion to recall the presence of angels in our own lives, these invisible creatures of God, 
that God has given each of us a guardian angel, that we often pray to St. Michael. And notice that Maria Vagrida in this reading, she is entrusting this work to St. Michael, asking St. Michael to protect it. Why is that? Well, Mary crushes the head of the serpent. Mary is powerful with God against evil. And so anytime we undertake something for the greater honor and glory of God, you can bet that the evil one is going to try to destroy it. And so right away from the get-go here, as we read in these opening paragraphs of the mystical city of God, well, I want this work to be protected from evil. I want it truly to be the will of God. And so she entrusts it to Almighty God, begging the, begging the protection of the angels, begging the protection also and the prayers of the saints. In our lives, we seek to live obedient to the will of God. We strive to put into action what it is that God commands us to do. We strive to keep his commandments so that our lives may never displease God. And we ask the angels to guide our steps so that one day we might worship with the angels and saints in heaven. This has been day two of a reading of the mystical city of God in one year. You heard paragraphs 8 through 14 today from volume 1, The Conception. Please join us again tomorrow as we continue our journey through the mystical city of God by Venerable Maria of Agreda.